What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, in February's election, we're choosing a mayor, older people, but also for the first time ever, we're electing civilian police district councils. Those are representatives of the public tasked with providing some sort of oversight of police. Each district elects three members, meaning a total of 66 councilors across the city. Jim Daly covered the councils for the Chicago Reader and is here to break it down. It's Tuesday, November 22nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. We've already got the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. We've got another police commission. You know, what are the main duties of this particular council, and and how is it different than those others? I think the main difference is... First of all, of course, that they're elected. Oversight bodies like um, COPA or its predecessor, the Independent Police Review Authority, um, and its predecessor, the Office of Professional Standards, none of these were elected. Um, They were all appointed and um, therefore had have... I don't know about less accountability to the people, but they they definitely have more connection to the mayor. They definitely have more connection to the mayor and, you know, can't be elected, can't be voted out of office the way the way these councils can. So who is eligible to be on a district council? You said this will be comprised of civilians. Um, You know, what are the eligibility points? So they they have to have resided in the district for at least one year as of. February 28th, the day of the election. They cannot be a member of the citywide commission on public safety, and they cannot have been an employee of the police department, independent police review authority, COPA, or the police board for any of the three years preceding the date on which their term begins. You and your colleagues over at the Chicago Reader have kind of looked across some of the district councils and started to see who are the people putting their name in a hat. Who are a few that jump out to you? Um, so it's, it's an interesting mix of people. There are city workers. There are abolitionist activists. There are just regular residents who seem to want a, more of a voice in their community. Um, mm-hmm. Some people have... Some former CPS teachers in there. Former teachers, yeah. So some people have ties to um, current politicians. Uh, there are a, a few who have been endorsed by various alder persons. Um, and one is a campaign manager for a candidate for alder person. But by and large, these seem to be... Um, just regular folk, residents from the communities who, for whatever reason, want to be on these councils. Mm -hmm. How would these police district councils interface with these other existing commissions like the Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability? 
So one of the main ways that they interface with the community commission is by making recommendations um, and reporting findings and conclusions from its uh, in, from the council's interaction with the community to the commission, and they can also nominate. Um, members to the commission. We currently have an interim commission um, that is serving until we have these district councils, which will then, I would, I would think one of their first tasks will be to nominate candidates to the commission. That will then go to the mayor's desk to be That's correct, for uh, officially people. selected. Yes. We actually talked to one of those interim commissioners, Isaac Troncoso, who's one of the two youth commissioners on the Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability, about what the commission actually does. Uh, here's what Isaac had to say. We can hold hearings. We actually held a budget meeting uh, October 24th, where we had the superintendent come and answer some hard questions that we had about the police budget. We can recommend to fire the police superintendent. And we actually have to approve of the next superintendent that is hired. We can directly remove and appoint the head of COPA as well. So we have a lot of tools to change who's at the top. Um, we can also require that the CPD produce documents um, and bring certain documents to light. There are so many different vehicles for police accountability in the city now. And it sounds like that this commission has a lot of, you know, important powers so what's left for the district council? How how are they different? I have been sort of thinking about these councils metaphorically as almost similar to local school councils um, that are elected by, by the people um, and have some oversight of schools. Um, and then you've got the Board of Education, which is obviously a separate entity. And I think that there's some some parallels here. One of the things Isaac told me was that a big challenge for the commission is building trust, making sure people know it exists, staffing, getting the budget in order. The main challenge is that we are appointed eight months behind when we were supposed to be appointed, uh, according to the ordinance that was passed uh, last year. The other largest challenge is uh, staffing, of course. Um, you know, we need money and people to accomplish the massive task that we have set before us, which is to change the relationship that Chicagoans have with their police force and vice versa. So having the money and people to do that is crucial. And we're projected to have about four more staff hired before the end of the year. As we wait for these elected bodies and, you know, getting 66 new people coordinated, you know, do, do you think that we're, we're looking at just more delays in this thing really getting off the ground? Oh, I think that's true. To be fair, any expansion of democracy is is going to require more work uh, and, and more resources and more people. And all of that takes time as well. Um, so I think we'll definitely know more after we see the composition of these councils, see which ones we've got people with more of an activist or abolitionist um, political bent on and more who are are, and which ones have more people who are centrist or even pro-police? Um, because among the candidates that we've identified so far, there's, there's, a, there's a, a cross-section of all of those views. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. 
As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. I, like most of the people I, you know, politic or, or you know, have friendship with, I, I try to stay, keep my contact with the police at, at an even kill of zero, right? Zero out of 10. And my thought is, if I had a problem with police, I don't really know who to go to other than them, right? So who actually would I turn to if I had a problem with police right now, b before the election? Who could I speak to? If you had a negative interaction with a police officer today, um, you could file a complaint with COPA and they would investigate it. Um, I think COPA has had a bit of a better track record than IPRA at holding the police accountable. There are a number of cops in the last couple of years who um, I feel COPA did a pretty good job of investigating um, and making the correct recommendation to the department. Um, some of these include uh, the cop who knocked out activist Miracle Boyd's tooth. Uh, he's no longer with the department, and part of the reason for that is because of the COPA investigation. Um, I think, too, uh, in addition to COPA, I think if you have a negative interaction with, it, with the cops, you should talk to a lawyer. While those resources like COPA will remain, will it eventually become the responsibility of these councils to be the people that we go to with these complaints? I think that's a good question. Um, it's as far as I know, that duty is not it's not one of the duties that's specifically and concretely laid out. So there's duties that are very clearly laid out and can have benchmarks like holding pump public meetings at least once a month or delegating right. district council members to meetings. But so these other things um, such as establishing restorative justice processes or building trust with the community, those are the sorts of things that I think can be accomplished if these bodies are responsive to complaints from the people. So I would be able to attend a monthly meeting with members from my district council and say, hey, this happened. This is, you know, what the police response was. This is the concerns I have. And then it can come to somebody like me who's talking with, you know, the superintendent or chiefs of police, and it can flow all the way up from the neighborhood to the top. So when we have 66 people asking you, you know, what do you need to feel safer on the streets? That will be a massive arm of community engagement and really bringing it down to, you know, the sidewalk level. We'll have to see how that shakes out and what that looks like and what sorts of processes they establish to gather input and to um, field concerns. I, I think they should field concerns. These are elected um, officials at a certain point, they come from the community and they should be responsive to the communities that they serve. And one part of that is hearing complaints about misconduct. There are a lot of layers to this new system. And frankly, it can be confusing for anyone who isn't following the process closely. Do these layers help or hurt efforts to bring accountability to the police? Because it seems like we've 
put two more layers of, yes, oversight, yes, potential accountability, but also two layers between me and, and the systems for which I'm trying to, to change um, and hold accountable. What they do in practice is provide an avenue for the people to have a say in who is involved in police oversight. That said, um, and despite the, the, the gains that have been made in terms of offices like COPA, um, over the past 50, 60 years that the people have been fighting for this sort of thing, it's my opinion that the largest bulwark against accountability comes from within the department itself. Um, it comes from the current superintendent who often disagrees with COPA's recommendations, um, who has fought to keep violent officers on the force, um, who most recently um, kept an officer who's a member of the far-right hate group Proud Boys on the department, despite COPA's recommendation not to. So ultimately, the fact that the police board and the superintendent have so much sway over whether or not cops are fired reduces the effectiveness of civilian oversight. I think additionally, um, we would be remiss if we didn't address what looks to me like an entrenched culture within the, the rank and file of the department um, to protect bad officers, to um, keep a blue wall of silence, to cover for one another um, when misconduct occurs. Um, th these are all things that I don't know if a more democratic process addresses. Um, and all of this is especially true when there is a mayor who um, overwhelmingly supports the police, who has increased their budget, um, who defended the department despite the misconduct that occurred during the 2020 protests. When you have that sort of leadership, the effect that that has, in my opinion, is to, um, if not stifle, certainly slow down and stymie efforts to reform a department. When we think about benchmarks, what would success look like to you as someone who has investigated misconduct? I think that's a really great question because there's a degree to which these councils can be fulfilling the mandates set out in the municipal ordinance that set them up. Um, but to what degree does that actually translate to greater community control of the police? Because that's what this was originally came out of, was civilian oversight and civilian control of the department. Um, th there's a degree to which this does not get a grant us civilian control of the department, but it grants us input. I don't expect that six months after these councils are set up, we're going to suddenly have a wholly new department. I tend to think that having more people in the room um, is never bad for transparency and accountability. We were super lucky at our first meeting to have, at least by my count, over 400 people in person in attendance. I don't want to be sitting in a room for a year, you know, raising awareness or doing nothing. I want hard changes. But in addition to that, the community keeping the trust in us and still having hundreds of people at our meetings, if not more in a year, that's how I know we'll be successful. If you look at the history of policing in Chicago, um, especially since the civil rights movement and the black power movement, there has been a, a concerted push from the people to reduce the 
degree to which the police are a violent occupying force in communities and try to mitigate the worst excesses um, of this department. And we have made progress. Whether that progress is enough, whether that progress works, looks like abolition um, or is simply a long road to somewhere that we don't know what the end looks like is an open question, I think. Jim Daly is a news editor with the Chicago Reader. We'll drop the link to the Reader and the Tribe's co-published piece about police district council races. And you can learn about some of the names of the people right now uh, looking like they're going to run in your local police district. And stay with the Reader as they keep you updated as we move towards the February election. Jim, it means the world to us here at CityCast Chicago. You make it time. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I am always, always happy to come on this show. Thank you, Jacoby. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. After four years, an environmental study and U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg in town Monday, O'Hare is finally moving forward on a $7 billion expansion. The Global Terminal, as it's being called, is designed by world-renowned Chicago architect Jeannie Gang and is expected to be completed in 2030. Multiple mayoral candidates turned in the signatures Monday to get on the February ballot. Check out Hey Chicago for a list of candidates who have filed at chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter. Fun fact, I learned this from Block Club today. It's illegal to throw leaves and yard waste in with the rest of your trash. Yeah, instead, the city wants you to bag your leaves and call 311 to request a pickup so it could be composted. The CTA holiday-themed trains and buses are rolling out this Friday. They'll run on all eight train lines and 16 bus routes. They say there's a holiday bus tracker, but uh, we can only hope it's effective. And some good news to get you through. The CityCast roster continues to grow with CityCast Madison launching next Monday. The capital of Wisconsin has a great team, including host Bianca Martin. Bianca loves the city and she is ready to do right by you. So if you got some people up in Madison, put them on. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcast. As always, I appreciate you for listening to our podcast. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, and we're going to do it one more time, one more time from the top.